0: listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. I'm Evie. And I'm Isaac. And Mitch isn't with us today because he couldn't be bothered. It's beautiful weather and it's his birthday. So he's got <laughs> happy birthday, birthday Mitch.
1: Fuck that guy.
0: He's allowed. He is allowed. In this workplace, you get your birthday off. That's the... Yeah, that's,
1: this is the golden rule of the podcast, even though my birthday was during our holiday anyway. But that's... Well, fine. that's the rule.
2: <laughs> you get one ep off a year. Yeah,
0: you get your birthday off and if it happens to fall on a holiday, fuck you.
1: <laughs> it's no like up. everyone misses is my birthday at work and like when people get a cake at work and i'm like but i Aww. want a cake
2: a work cake is the best kind of cake because you eat it on company time <laughs> <laughs> anthony albanese has come on the records rejecting suggestions that anyone wants him to be prime minister <laughs> including and especially china this is in response to dutton dutton was in parliament claiming that china is going to interfere in our elections, which they may well. Who knows? And I mean, they, they really, certainly
0: will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
2: that 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 China's made a decision about who they're going to back in the next federal election, and they want Albo as their candidate. They Albo's their man. He's that the Chinese spy. <laughs> I,
3: I love that Dutton is just doing like straight up hashtag resistance. Uh,
2: Chinagate stuff. He's just doing a classic red scare. Like, yeah. Albo is a secret communist. Oh, look, 20 years ago, he was young, and young people are communist.
1: <coughs> look, it's good. We haven't had, like, a proper red scare in a while.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Since <laughs> the last election. Do you remember COVID? <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> early COVID? <laughs> the, 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 it's such a weird one because it's so, like wrong on, like, multiple angles, but also probably true. Like, it probably (laughs) is true that China would prefer Anthony Albanese as Prime Minister, because Scott Morrison is constantly a dick to them for no reason. (laughs) Dutton's our Minister for Defence. He's actively pushing for war with China, (laughs) just (laughs) all the time. He's like, China, hey, guess what? We're gonna fuck you up. We're gonna gonna mess with you. We hate you, and we're gonna fight, and we're gonna win with our one submarine that we'll have in 20 years. (laughs) Just madness. Whereas Anthony Albanese is like, they're our biggest trading partner and I think that maybe we should work with them. <laughs> and Dutton's like, look at this red sympathiser. It's madness.
3: Mm. Give Christina Keneally uh, a shot. Once once she's in power, I'm sure she'll uh, start cranking
2: up the uh, the red scare engine as well. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Sure. But she'll only deploy it against individual Chinese people, not the state.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because, mm.
2: you know, say what you will about Labor, they know how to Sort of pay deference to a, a larger superpower.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. A, a, a long history of you know. Oh. I, I really want to be considered as the top spy for this. If you if you if you exchange this with me, Bob Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it's also, just yeah, the the if you're gonna portray somebody portray try and portray a party as like no. beholden to a larger foreign power, you. You can portray Labor as beholden to America pretty easily, considering Bob Hawke was a CIA agent. Yeah. <laughs> Which may be a bit of a controversial bomb to drop if you're a casual <laughs> listener to the podcast, but he fucking was. <laughs>
2: Like they they can't they can't talk shit about America because they're currently just absolutely elbow deep in them um, with the submarine things and whatnot. Like the coalition is working for America. Yeah,
0: I mean they they both. You can are. say
2: elbow's working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can say elbow's working for China because that's oh, that gets your racists on board.
0: Mm.
1: People don't like foreign interference if it's with non-white countries. That's pretty much yeah. it.
2: <laughs> that is the
0: whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> with
1: America, that's just cooperation.
0: They're our friends. We have so much cultural alignment. Yeah.
1: Like locking up children. <laughs>
0: We're not watching Chinese sitcoms on Netflix. That's, you know, know.
1: that's what matters. <laughs> this has just yep. reminded me of, like, 2013 when um, Clive Palmer first made a pitch for being elected into federal parliament. And one of his policy points was saying that Wendy Deng, Rupert Murdoch's ex, was a Chinese spy. Um, hmm. Oh, a- wow. A- obviously, okay. a completely insane thing to say. But, like... It was still a thing that, like, lingered on in the press for a while. The idea of Wendy Deng being a Chinese spy for Rupert Murdoch it was just absolutely bizarre. But, yeah, like, it, it's, it's, it's telling that this kind of talking point is still useful to someone like Dutton.
2: And the, the craziest thing is China still remains our largest trading partner. The yeah. economic <laughs> and military superpower of this half of the world slash pretty much the whole world um and Dutton is claiming that uh this other guy's gonna have a better relationship with China than we are, as if that's a good thing. <laughs>
0: mm. It's it's this also like he's the Minister for Defence, right? He's come out saying, you know, like, oh ASIO's saying that, you know, China's got bloody operatives embedded in labor. Yeah, of course. ASIO's followed up by saying we have not said that, which means that the Minister for Defence has gone to the floor of Parliament and either leaked classified information that, that ASIO is not ready to share, or made something up about classified information. Like, it's such a irresponsible... Like I, I feel like it's... it's I, I'm struggling to put it into words because the Minister for Defence shouldn't fabricate or leak classified information on the floor of Parliament is such an obvious thing to say <laughs> but it seems like it needs to be somebody can somebody take Dutton aside and just be like mate <laughs> you're contr- you're in control of one of the most powerful militaries in the world you've got to take some responsibility
1: <laughs> this is a world we live in though where you know this is a point where um we've accepted now that the american government lied about like weapons of mass destruction uh, in sure. the Middle East and still went to war anyway. Mm. And so now we live in this sort of reality where governments can just simply lie about this stuff, bold-faced, even with their own intelligence agencies going, hey, we didn't actually say that, though, <laughs> and just going for it.
3: And Dutton is also protected by the parliamentary privilege of being able to lie
1: ah, and not yes.
3: be sued by it. Sure. Which if, if you Which If you said that, in any other in any other context, uh, Australia's insane insane libel laws would would um, get you sued into into a black hole. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I don't think anyone's going to try and sue Peter Dutton though, because no. you know, he he's got his uh, who knows why.
2: Uh, <laughs> D- well, Dutton's also protected by the parliamentary privilege of knowing where all the skeletons are buried.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: literal and metaphorical.
0: The, I, I think that there's the the precedent of like, it's just a known thing that governments will lie about their own intelligence to to pursue their... I mean, that's su- certainly not surprising even before weapons of mass destruction. But I think there's also a precedent of... Everyone in Australia, especially in Australian politics, is basically just comfortable with the fact that that our MPs go onto the floor of parliament to fuck Mm. around. Like, there's not really a sense of, oh, man, he deployed some just total fabricated, irresponsible bullshit on the floor of parliament. Must be Monday, right? Like, Mm.
2: And then, then bloody journalists have got to figure out how to spin that into a story. Um this was meant to be our, our little silly thing up the top, and we found ourselves <laughs> in geopolitics.
0: Well, maybe that's on us for
2: putting silly geopolitics <laughs> up the
0: top.
3: <laughs> it's good news. Hey.
1: It's good.
3: Uh, New South Wales nurses are going on strike for the first time in a decade. Holy shit. 97% of union members voted to support the member and they're wanting a, a 2.5% pay increase, uh, minimum patient to nurse ratios and, <clears throat> you know, the, 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 the kind of base level protections and uh, support that nurses need while working in a pandemic
0: Right. We don't want to feel like we're in danger going to our own jobs. We don't want to yeah. sort of have to worry about rent while we're doing essential work, etc. The usual. Yes. Oh, my yeah. God.
1: Like, just reading that makes me so fucking sad. Like, I'm so excited that they're going on strike. They absolutely should. And, like, you know, they should be supported in doing that. But a 2.5% pay in- percent pay increase Like, Mm. I would, like, say, like, a 50% pay increase. Yeah. Like, honestly. We should be throwing money at them. Oh, my God. Like, we should be throwing money at, like, making more nurses and, like, ensuring Mm. that all these people are protected.
2: Because we've already got nurses, like, quitting in droves, burning out, like, becoming, you know, uh, injured by COVID and the rest of their jobs. The last thing we need is them also quitting because you can get more money as a real estate agent. <laughs> yeah. The, the society does not need more of those. In fact, there was a really good um article in, I think it was in the ABC that we'll link, that was like stories from the inside of wards from nurses. And these mm. nurses being like, absolutely everybody in my ward is trying to quit, is looking for other work. And I actually did quit. And then I got personally called and texted, and asked to come back in, because every time someone quits, it makes everyone else's job harder. It's so fucked. Yeah, I mean, we've
0: been talking about how this, the healthcare system <clears throat> is overwhelmed, and that means that, like, it's it's not just, you know, oh, you're you at a risk of COVID exposure, and you're overworked, and that sort of thing. It also means that you're- in an overwhelmed system and you're trying to sort of keep that shit together. So you're seeing patients die unnecessarily. You're seeing patients getting subpar treatment. In in a lot of cases, you're probably providing subpar treatment. Of course. Because you're so overworked, you've got to split your time between... uh, uh, God knows how many patients. I don't know what the actual patient-to-nurse ratio is. But nurses want to be doing a good job. And the, the, the people who are sort of refusing to give them better conditions are making their jobs worse yeah
1: it's so stu- we should be throwing money at i know you. oh my god i i think i've mentioned this on the like on the podcast previously but the end of last month um a guy this is a u.s um icu nurse uh, his name's andrew hudson he actually is like one of the um co-presenters of episode one which is one of my favorite podcasts um but he was an icu nurse throughout all of covid and has recently quit um you know, after working in ICU for 19 months and he posted this video explaining why he quit and it went viral. Um, And he was like, I'm really lucky to be in a position where I can quit and I do have the financial safety net of like, you know, um, income coming in from his Patreon and everything for his podcast. You know, he's able to make art and do stories and that sort of thing. But he wants to encourage other ICU workers to quit because if you're not getting what you deserve as like an essential healthcare worker what is the point? Like, you know, they're not looking after you. You can strike, of course, you should. And, like, you know, he encourages that as well. But what is the point of holding up a society that won't support you when it comes to the crunch?
3: Well, I, th- I think in in his in his case, uh, he's also working in, in the US uh, under a private system where mm. the, the health workers aren't unionised. So I think, like, the fact that the healthcare yeah. workers here are unionised is such a... Uh, a, a big advantage in the fact that, mm. that that you know, 97% of the union members can vote to, to mm. withhold their labour in order to secure a more reasonable uh, condition to
1: work. And, my yeah. God, like, you know, it should be as, like, you know, militant as any sort of construction worker union strike. It should mm. be mm. just, like, you know, down tools and walk off because your society can't function without us. I think mm. that it's
0: worth mentioning because, I mean, there's a sort of obvious reason as to why you wouldn't quit, which is – people die the, the 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 healthcare system is overwhelmed and if you quit there's one less nurse there's one less person to take care of the people who need to be taken care of there's like this sort of this is absolutely going to be the attack on the the, the 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 nurses union is you can't strike now this is when we need you the most yeah can't you see that people are suffering in the healthcare system how can you <laughs> stop working when there's so so much urgent work that needs to be done and the answer to that is because you're not fixing the problem that's there that you could fix. Again, we should be throwing money at them. Like, all nurses should get... Should be being paid very handsomely, right? Nurses should be
3: paid as much as JavaScript developers. (laughs) I'm going to come out and say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is like... that problem is fixable and is not being fixed. And in the long term, not fixing that problem is going to be much, much worse than any sort of strike caused suffering in the short term. Like the nurses are making the decision that the politicians should, which is we need to be preserving the health of the healthcare system in the long term. And at the moment they're only focused on the short term, which means that things are going to be much worse if they don't strike, if they don't get their conditions improved in, in, you know, a few months from now. So, they are they are right to strike. I just know that there's going to be people that are like oh, but they need to be taken care mm. of. They can't strike. It's a nurse, healthcare care. Nah, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Currently, what
2: they're in is a hostage situation um, because, and this is the reason nurses stay in a job where they have to work 18 hours, where they're treated like shit, where they're not paying well enough, uh, because they know that if they quit, life becomes harder and people will die. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> like the the American nurse uh, mentioned, I think. The system's already collapsed, basically. The system mm. is broken. The only thing preventing it from being obviously broken is all the nurses are breaking themselves just to hold it up a little bit longer. But they yep. can't hold it forever. Eventually, they will break. Yeah. And so you'll have a broken system and broken nurses instead of a broken system and nurses who've gone on strike. Yeah. Either way, a lot of people will die. But if we make it clear quicker that the system is broken, get that that system, like... um you know, fixed up however they can, um, then we can actually get stuff happening. And the nurses here in New South Wales, it's important to mention, aren't just like all walking out of hospitals, leaving everybody to die. Um yeah. they are maintaining some critical services, but they are like going on strike as much as they are able. They are they are yeah. yeah. Because they've they've really said they're gonna open up to non-elective, oh, non elective non non urgent elective surgery. They're the New South Wales has has said they're going to open up hospitals more, putting more pressure on nurses, and nurses have gone nah.
0: Yeah, it's it's they're not striking as an alternative to working. They're striking as an alternative to quitting. Like, yes. The mm. yeah. reason that you strike is because you don't want to quit, but your conditions are unacceptable. Yeah.
1: And I mean that ties into your sort of thing, McLean, about like when people say, "Oh, you can't strike now," um, you know, th- we're at the we're at the breaking point. Well, you know. That they, they've been at nurses, have been br- at breaking point for months over yeah. years. You know, they're yeah. at their breaking point themselves. Are you like, you know, what do you suggest is a solution here to p- put them to the point where they do break? Mm.
2: I, well, <laughs> I think maybe there's some sort of neoliberal thing where there's an illusion that there's always more workers. That mm. because in a lot of industries, there is an effectively infinite pool of labor. Like if a bunch of supermarket workers work off the job, you can have new supermarket workers trained up working within a day because it's not a job where you go to uni for a couple of years. They might do a shit job for a while, but they'll be able to do a job. Um, and so you have a lot of throughput there and they don't get valued. They should be valued, but they're not valued. But nurses can't be replaced uh you don't value your nurses if they work walk out. Um you don't have a long-term solution there because you-, you can't just make more nurses. They need years and years of training. Because if I walk onto a nurse job with a week of training, everybody fucking dies. I I put the wrong tube in the wrong machine and I kill everybody without meaning to. And that's not the stakes
0: you have don't. in a
2: supermarket.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> like say so you don't know like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm the only one on the ward, McLean. I'm trying my best. help, Lang. Like, <laughs> there's nobody else here. They all quit. Lang, <laughs> mate, you got to go on strike, brother.
2: Yeah, it's probably true. <laughs> it's good news. Hey.
3: It's good news. The High Court has rejected a coal mine uh, that was proposed by the uh, by, by Kepco uh, in the Bailong Valley. Um... The, the the coal mine was rejected after an appe- uh, after a several appeals and uh, cases brought by environmental activists, mm. uh, members of the uh, the Long Valley community, um, and they are now telling the South Korean company to go walk. Nice. Um, the uh, yeah the the, the uh, decision was um, uh, uh, made by the by the High Court um, based on based on the um, the environmental impact of the of the mine, and it's problematical. Greenhouse gas emissions. Problematical. Ooh, Not sure what the uh, what the judge emissions. was getting into there, but <laughs> that's that's the
0: word they cho- they chose. Take that High Court judge.
2: <laughs> and so this is this is after several rounds of appeals. Um and the company is disappointed with the High Court's decision, um, and will now consider its next steps, which are presumably looking for a new way to make appeals. Giving a, a suitcase of money to Susan Lee, Federal Environment Minister. Whatever it takes. Uh, I don't know if she takes suitcases of money. She might be like I mean, a like, tote bag person.
0: Th- th- it wouldn't <laughs> impact her decisions one way or the other. Obviously. It's just a political donation.
2: <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. No, no, They just, just to give her a suitcase of money just to say thank you for doing such a good job in general. Yeah. But everyone is obviously saying, just fuck off. Stop trying to build your mine. And they're like, but there's coal. And coal mining companies just can't not mine the fucking coal. They really just can't take no
0: for an answer. Well, there's coal there and they're coal mining companies. That's their job, Lang. That's the economy. The economy is under those cows. (laughs) They'll never stop until they're destroyed. (laughs) They can't make it any more clear. It's true. It's in their nature.
1: It's good news. (laughs)
0: Victoria decriminalised sex work.
1: It's good news. Hey, yeah. This is actually genuinely good news. This is after uh, several years of fighting the current regime that is in Victoria, um, where their sex work is technically legal but there is like a register from which you have to put you know that you are a sex worker uh which seems good in theory unless you actually get to the point of where sex work becomes criminalized uh in which case sex workers are hugely criminalized in victoria and targeted on the basis of you know um the way in which they're um, arrested for soliciting um clients is detrimental compared to having a decriminalized system when we talk about decriminalized sex work people often bring up things like oh but how do we protect women who may be in sex work uh, against their will there are already existing laws for that there are already existing laws for trafficking and for slavery and for those sorts of things that exist Mm. which do not require any sort of like actual criminalization of sex work. So this is a huge step. It means that sex work can be regulated in a way that protects workers too. A huge step as well is actually acknowledging that sex work is work and gives like ev- all sex workers legal protections and also legal recourse for their unsafe workplaces and disc- like discrimination that they may suffer, um, which is something that no sex worker would have felt comfortable coming forward talking about. Mm in mm. a situation where they are afraid of even talking to cops. Mm. So huge, extremely huge. huge. Um, you know, and again, a lot of credit to um, the activist organizations of Victoria, like the Vixen Collective, um, who have, you know, campaigned for years um, to not only to the community, but also to MPs to um, discuss policy and actually, like, you know, make this a reality. Um also to Fiona Patton, who, um, you know, did the sort of um, groundwork to actually, um, in, like, filing the report in investigating decriminalisation in Victoria. Um, so, yeah, absolutely huge news. Um, it also um, means that decriminalise of street-based sex work, which was um, mm. a potential dispute within the actual sort of um, thing that was happening in Parliament this week. So, very glad that, you know, this has actually happened in full. It's great news. Yeah. It's incredibly great news. Now uh, sex
3: workers can go
2: on strike. Take a take a page
3: out of uh Lisa Strider's book.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. They
2: do they've they've had a, a tough time during COVID as well, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um and I'm I'm just having a little read through some of this stuff. Of course you had the usual the usual uh, sort of conservative Gronks being like, Oh, but we've got to have consultation. What about safeguards? What about women?
3: <laughs> this is the first time any of them have cared about protections for workers.
2: Yeah. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. Are we? Do we have to do the koala thing? As Our good
0: final news? bit it's of good news. news is we won't have to worry about those fucking koalas for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, nah, it's, it's grim news. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> this is one of these things. Like The koala has been declared endangered uh, officially. Um, and this is like when the Barrier Reef is declared in danger, um, which did they actually declare the Barrier Reef in danger? I've forgotten now. <clears throat> in any case, it is in danger, regardless of in, how they declare it. In New South
3: Wales yeah, and in, in Queensland. The koalas are in
2: danger? Yeah. Yeah. Well, In that's Victoria, the... they're A-OK. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, most of the koalas are in New South Wales and, and Queensland. Um, ah. <clears throat> or at least they were. So, (laughs) oh God, (laughs) this is one of these things where over the, and you know, you've just gotten here after listening to 106 episodes of this podcast. You are very familiar with the New South Wales koala wars, Susan Lee's ongoing war against anything small and pouched, like, The coalition has been working, and Labour as well. Honestly, all parts of Australian government for about the last 400 years have been working as hard as possible, um, to clear as much bush as they possibly can. And it turns out, animals live in some of that bush. What? Who knew? So it's finally come back to bite them. It looks quite embarrassing that uh, our most beloved little critter uh, has been murdered by our least beloved government. Yeah. So it was
0: listed as vulnerable in 2012, mm. and uh, the government was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> but that was about the entirety of their response. Sucks, eh? There is still no recovery plan in place. That was the only thing they needed to do mm. regarding the, the 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 vulnerable listing. It's like they're they're dying out because you keep destroying their habitat. Stop destroying their habitat. Make a plan for when to stop destroying their habitat and how. And they were like, Well, oh. we're we're busy <laughs> dealing with coronavirus since twenty twelve, I guess. There's no excuse for it. They just don't care. The government has
2: pledged fifty million dollars to Look improve out. the protection and recovery of the koala. Fifty million, McLean, that is a very small amount of money, actually. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. No, much. that's all of the zeros. All right. Uh, okay. So that's, uh, yeah. That's how much they value the koala at, I guess. Cause $50 million, um, is, you could just save that by not funding some mines for a while, which are the ones killing the koalas. And I mean, look, it's its like everything the government's been doing in regards to climate change, the reef, koalas, all of that is seen by the rest of the world for the shocking act of vandalism against future generations that it is. Um, everybody in the rest of the world recognizes that Australia is absolutely climate criminals. The UN has rated us as our worst, as the worst performing country of the, the ones that they measure in terms of climate. Um, <laughs> Scott Morrison and co don't care about that. They just care about getting votes. So they can spin this out. It doesn't matter to them what happens to the koala or even what the rest of the world thinks about us. Because, uh, fuck it. They'll get some, uh, they'll get some property developers, they'll get some coal mines, they'll get some monies. Gladys Berejiklian's got a cushy job with Optus. Uh, glad I could squeeze that in. <laughs> Did you hear that? Gladys clean got a cushy job with Optus while being under investigation for corruption.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, like if you if you're hiring a sort of like executive level personality, you you, you probably do want somebody who uh, has a lot of strings within the government and is totally unscrupulous about pulling them. Like that's yeah. a That's a really useful person to have in your back pocket. Absolutely. Good job, Optus.
2: What you don't want when you're giving money or jobs to government individuals is someone who will sacrifice the economy just for koalas.
0: (laughs) So the religious discrimination bill won't be voted on. It's been withdrawn for now. It's dead for the time being. You know, it's the classic story of oh, the the war against homophobia and transphobia has finally been won until the next salvo that's been launched by the Conservatives. Rest in sure. piss.
1: <laughs> so, Rest in yeah, piss to it, the religious uh, discrimination bill.
0: Very plausibly it'll be back in some form or another and Evie will have something to say about that in a little mm. bit. Uh, but the religious discrimination bill that we were talking about last week uh, has been paused. That's not going to pass this sort of government.
1: Yeah. Like all that rushed drafting and voting on the various bits of the package, which we'll get into, like all of this just to be suspended until it, like what they decided the federal government after all this kerfuffle was that they were going to push a Senate inquiry into key parts of its religious discrimination bills in a decision that avoids a vote in the upper house on this package, which is so funny because like we've like this last week has been rushing to the finish line to get it all done before the election and now it's not happening.
3: I'd be so pissed if someone made me stay up till five a.m. <laughs> just to not pass something. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this was a bill that, among other things, explicitly carved out exceptions to some other discrimination and equal opportunity bills to say if you're breaking those discrimination and equal opportunity laws as part of a statement of religious belief, it doesn't count. You're okay. Uh, mm. But Rebe- uh, but independent MP Rebecca Sharkey successfully put forward an amendment to the Sex Discrimination Act that got passed. And that amendment undercut some of the ability to get away with bigotry. And the homophobes and transphobes that were trying to get the religious bill passed just were just like, oh, what's the point then? And yeah. dropped it. Yeah. This is like the Australian Christian lobby. We're just like, we don't support this bill anymore now that we just don't have open license <laughs> to be transphobic. So, come on. Don't yeah. worry about it.
1: it. It just It's so funny. And it shows the thing that we were talking about in the last episode, McLean. It shows this bill and the package of legislation for what it is, an excuse to be bigots. It's nothing to yeah. do with actual religion. In fact, it's an insult to people who are religious, who aren't transphobic or homophobic. Right, the,
0: the Uniting Church made a statement about it, the Hindu Council made a statement, like, the, both of them condemned the bill. They were like, we don't support this. We- yeah, I should
1: point out, they also <laughs> condemned this before all this amendment stuff happened. They were explicitly against this package happening because of the homophobia. It was only after Rebecca Sharkey's amendment passed that the ACL were like actually we don't actually want this bill anymore it's to be yeah. clear they wanted the bigger oh the, the acl <laughs> were,
0: the, were pushing with the transphobia <laughs> angle of it for sure yeah but the, the the even the people who were sort of like you know religious organizations who were ostensibly who it's for were like it doesn't really help us mm. indeed I, I read something about the the i think it was the hindu council um saying that it actually harms smaller religions because it it carves out an ability for, say, a Christian private school to fire their Muslim janitor for being Muslim.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing. That's, that's mm. one of the things that also gets hidden. It's not just about kids. It's also about staff. It's about teachers. It's about anyone who uses services provided by a religious institution. So yeah. even though children are a really good lightning rod for you know highlighting how bad it is, it affects everyone. Yeah.
2: Mm. It's this weird right to discriminate thing where they're like, oh, I know discrimination's bad, but we're religious. Can we discriminate? And they're like, "Oh, maybe. And then it's like, well, what if we, but we're not allowed to discriminate against religious people. But what if you then had a school which discriminated against people who were allowed to discriminate? Look, it's dumb. <laughs> Point is, discrimination's dumb. Uh, stop trying to carve out little exceptions so that you can discriminate a little bit if <laughs> you're a <laughs> private school.
0: There was a lot of sort of defenses of like, oh, you know, like, uh, you can't expel, we've made sure that you can't expel a student for being gay. We've made sure that you can't expel a student for being trans, that sort of thing. That really doesn't address the big problems with it, which were like, you couldn't expel them. But you could get up at the front of school assembly yeah. and say, we've heard reports that one of our students is trans and we want to remind the assembly that being trans is a sin and it's created by the devil. And if yeah. you're trans, God doesn't love you. There was no- that, that's a statement of belief. That's fine. That was in the bill. Even after the amendment, that was in the bill. You could say all kinds of horrible shit yeah. to kids about yeah. their sexuality and that you were fully protected because it was just a statement of belief. It's just a statement of belief. What's the problem?
3: But e- even with all that, the the Australian Christian lobby uh, described the, the 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 bill as too high a price to pay, even with the ability <laughs> oh, to... fuck uh, off. <laughs> if
2: Absolutely
3: we can't be
1: bigoted,
2: what's even the point of being a religion, guys? Come oh, on, we're God. in it for the bigotry. I,
1: I wish... Like, it, it's such an insult to Christians, like, that they would say this, honestly. Well, the Australian
0: Christian lobby doesn't really speak for Christians. It doesn't but... at all,
1: but, like... It, <laughs> Emphasis it's... on the
0: lobby there. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it just, like, just even thinking about that, like, it's such a naked display of what their interests are. That's so offensive. Yeah. Um, mm. but one of the big factors around this whole story, of course, um, that has happened this week, um, is Labor's strategy in defeating this bill, or oh, what yes. they say the chess was their strategy. Yes. Mm. Um, so they, at the start, like, you know, when we were discussing this last week, we said um, we had found out that in principle that they were going to support the bill, but they were had some concerns and were going to push forward some amendments. Those amendments failed. <laughs> and then they said that they were going to vote for it anyway. And then they continued to push for those amendments in the Senate. So basically they decided, like, when those amendments failed in the House of Reps, They said, well, we're going to vote for it and then we're going to push those amendments in the Senate. And that's where Rebecca Sharkey's sort of um, like proposition for amendment of the Sex Discrimination Act happened.
0: Yeah, which was sort of a totally separate thing. Like it was related to this bill and sort of spurred by this bill. But the the sort of the passage of any amendments to the religious bill or the passing of that bill itself were totally separate to Rebecca Sharkey's sort of critical amendment to the sex discrimination act yeah Hmm.
1: um now i i don't want to get too much into the weeds on this because i know that every single political podcast or articles or anything like that is going to get into who is really to blame here and whether labor actually deserve to cop this i all i would say is that i know that you know my local mp voted for this bill and thinks it's, like, a critical part of the strategy to get LNP members to cross the floor and, like, apologise to the trans community and everything. You know what? I don't care. All I know is is that you voted for it. I don't care about the 5D chess strategy. I don't even care that, it, like, even if it worked. I just, like, I don't care about the chess master stuff in there.
0: Yeah, I, I think that it's, like, with the, with the strategy, it's really hard to say that the strategy didn't work because the bill is dead. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's still this fucking thing of, like, they, people were getting mad before the bill had failed. because like and People were getting mad. Labour MPs were being like, how dare you criticise us? We're doing the right thing here. You have to trust us. You have to trust. We've got a strategy. You have to trust us. But th- this this is a strategy that they've deployed before enough times and enough failures of it. That it People are calling it the bitch and fold strategy. They're just like, oh, <laughs> there's Labor with the bitch and fold again, where they complain about certain parts of a harmful bill and then give up and pass it and vote for it. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the, the encryption bill from a couple of years ago where they're just like, wow, this seems like a really terrible bill with a lot of bad stuff in it. So we're gonna vote for it and then next time we're in power, we're gonna fix it. And yeah. then we'll just lose all of those protections for the duration of whenever we're next in power, which could be never.
1: <laughs> all the online safety stuff as well, again, bitch and fault. Yeah. Like the 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 thing that really pisses me off about that is the willingness to accept bad legislation and bad yeah policy um for even a short period of time i'm sorry if you want to win have some fucking spine and say this is bad policy and actually say what you mean rather than playing 5d chess about it like this is something at any point they could have said
3: yeah also then you're lining up a like a a series of like 10 blocks of legislation that you're like you're saying all right as soon as we get back into power or we're going to repeal this one Mm. or we're going to repeal this one but we're like, going to refight like, all like, these like, things from 10 years e- exactly, ago. Exactly, yeah. Like, how, how on earth are you actually going to get those passed?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're sort of assuming that they're going to win the election and they're going to win an election with enough of a margin that they're just going to, like, wave through 10 different bills that they've sort of had saved
1: up yeah. without any kind point. of
0: opposition. They're just like,
1: well, once we're in, we win, right? And, and like you said, McLean, we have no precedent to believe them on this because yeah. um, even if you take something as basic as gay marriage – Howard changed um the definition to be a man and a woman specifically. And Labour were in government since John Howard. They did have the time to introduce policy mm. to change that. They did have the time to actually change, you know, the specifics to make sure that marriage equality was passed in their time and they didn't do it. They uh, didn't they had do a it. A focus group Why the them? fuck would I trust Labour with that?
0: I think there's also this aspect that's like we didn't have the numbers to stop it in the House. So, whether we voted for the bill or against the bill, it was going to go through anyway. So, there's no practical, Oof. you know, concrete outcome to which decision we make either way. So, we have to vote yes for it. For, and then there's just sort of like a noise of radio static for a bit while the sort of reasoning behind that happens. But no, it's not possible to comprehend it. I think they're sort of saying like, well, you know, you, you need to realise that the transphobic community is very valuable to us yeah. and we don't want to, you know, <laughs> offend them by symbolically voting yes when we 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 have to symbolically vote yes to show that we don't oppose them. And then the then the trans community is like, that seems shit. Yeah. And they're like, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, also, if they separate themselves from the Liberal Party, then there'll be two groups of politicians there and people will be able to choose. And we can't the-, <laughs> the Murdoch media might suddenly go, hang on, what's that? Another party.
0: There, there was also um, Julian Hill, who's a Labour MP, put out a TikTok sort of explaining the sort of the the, the thought behind the, the the voting for the bill, which uh. was uh, I'm going to say, get off TikTok, MPs, Pretty bullshit. <laughs> like he, he, in, <laughs> this, in this in this <laughs> in this TikTok, he he's not like I got an email from Jed Carney saying. I'm sorry that, it, you know, we supported this bill. It had to be done for the strategy. It well, must have been so painful to see the strategy. that. I, I think that that is at least a plausible apology that's addressing the actual concerns that people had, even though I don't really buy that it's their strategy. That's the thing you've got to be talking about, is, hmm. like, if if it is the strategy, then, yeah, acknowledge that the strategy is to appear like you're going to throw trans people under the bus in a way that needs to be really plausible. And so once you've pulled off that strategy, you should say, yeah, I'm really sorry that we publicly were like, fuck you. We needed to, right? Like that's that's that side of it.
1: It's acknowledging the hurt, Whereas yeah. Julian's Julian not. Hill was like,
0: oh, frankly, there's been a lot of crap said about us, about our strategy on social media. I'm here to clear it up. And then he just goes on to, like, just pull out some bullshit. Like, it's got a bunch of attacks against the Greens in there for some reason. It talks about, like, oh, the religious bill was really important. It included some really important protections for religious people, like uh, preventing a, a Muslim woman for having a hijab being torn off in the street. Is That's surely already protected, right? That's just... It is.
2: That just sounds like assault.
0: It literally you is. You can't just tear someone's clothes off in the street, Julian Hill. That's already that's already not allowed. Doesn't
2: matter what religion they are; it's not a thing you can. He's like, because I'm just
1: covered. walking down the
0: street, just pull, pull, pull.
1: We we do have legislation that covers hate crimes, and that covers it.
0: But it's also like. Jed Carney, on one side, is like, the strategy was we needed to pretend to support the bill, even though we didn't. That was Labour's strategy, is we needed to put up this veneer of support, Mm. but we didn't actually support it. Julian Hill, Labour MP, was like, the strategy was the bill was actually really good because it protected religious people, and it had some clauses in it that we didn't support, but... Too bad we needed it. We needed to stuff that poor Muslim one for having a from having a hijab torn off. Like, th- which ones? Which ones real, yeah. guys? Which
1: ones <laughs> real? Well, I,
3: I think that that shows that uh, that Jed Kearney is in a um, an electorate where she has to
2: defend from the
3: Greens.
1: Yes, mm. it shows she knows that she has to be accountable. <clears throat>
2: yeah, but it, it's also the thing of yeah when there's multiple people giving multiple different excuses or reasoning for mm. why they believe something. It sort of indicates that none of those things are true yeah. or or at least that most of them aren't true. It's like when people say, oh, climate change isn't real because it's caused by volcanoes and also it's not that bad. And also carbon dioxide doesn't cause cooling. And I'm like, you can't have all of those things.
1: It's like when you're talking to a terminal, like uh, someone who's a serial liar and you know that you're never going to get a consistent answer. And that is like the key of like knowing that they're lying. <laughs>
2: Yeah, they say enough different things, and you go, "Oh, actually, this is all bullshit." You don't even care what what the truth is anymore. Mm. Um, and the end result is Labor is playing this five D chess, so they claim. But and and then somehow claiming also that they've won because now there's Labor MPs being like, "Yes, we won a great victory. There, we won." And it's like, "Did you win?" Yeah, because it's unclear. You've claimed victory in a game that was (laughs) cancelled.
3: I guess the advantage of playing 5D chess is that it is such a complicated system with so many moving parts that it's impossible to tell who won and who lost.
2: But the real victory that Labor wants is, yes, this bill didn't go through. That's good. But also they need at the end for voters to actually think they're good. And they seem to be (laughs) losing that one real hard.
0: Oh, boy. I'm just real mad at Julian Hill. I, I, I just I made the mistake of opening up the the transcript of his of his video in the in the thing, and I saw just he's 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 saying like, oh, the 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 liberal said oh, religious people have asked for a right to be bigots. That's rubbish. I've never had one of the deeply religious people ask me for the right to discriminate against other people. Like, uh... yeah, but it was pushed by the 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 you know like conservative Christian parts of the country. But then he flips it and he's like. And I've never had any of the LGBTQI people who I represent and know and love ask for the right to discriminate against people of faith. <laughs> okay. What? How is Who's that even a question? How is that even What? Kind of what? <laughs> what are
2: you saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> because they're doing the maybe, whole, um, this bill that stops us okay, discriminating okay. is right. discrimination. Queer, que-
3: all right, queer right, bookstore where you can't where you can't uh, be Christian within it. Yeah, that's no questions allowed
0: in our <laughs> gay school. That, that's... <laughs> Thanks, Julian. Thanks for
2: being <laughs> sincere. The school where you have to be gay.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it sounds like a really cool place, but anyway. <laughs> but like I, I want to get to like the heart of the matter, which is like I mentioned, um, gay marriage before, and just the fight uh, and the betrayal and just just the insulting idea that federal MPs and not just the labor not just the Labor Party, the Liberal Party too, of any sort of persuasion, they don't think that queer people remember how many times we were told like, you know, just wait, we'll do it. You know, we mm. promise we'll allow, just allow it us to pass better. like a little light. bit. Yeah, exactly. It gets better. Mm. Just let's do a little light bigotry in the legislation and we'll fix it if you vote for us. Like, sorry, I don't respond to blackmail. I'm not going to like vote for you just because you say that you're going to fix it. You actually have to show me an an act of faith that makes me think, "Oh, okay, you're actually going to act in my best interests." And yeah. nothing of <laughs> like, what like has happened—maybe
0: voting for the bill, even though it's a symbolic—would <laughs> yeah. have
1: been a nice start. Yeah. yeah, like nothing that has actually happened has given me the faith that Labor has my best interests at heart. Like this week. I, like, every day that I have logged on to social media, I have logged on to see some, like, a queer person of my age or older who has shared the most horrible experience you've ever heard in your life, who know firsthand the violence dealt to them when they didn't have safe harbour. Like, I could go on at length about my own experiences as a queer person living in the world and the kind of things that I had to face from my family, from people, you know, outside the community as well. Like, it's just a reminder like, things like this where you think, oh, it's just your basic human rights. You don't get to rest on your laurels
0: mm.
1: when you're battling mm. for liberation. Like, it's just a rhetorical game for all these people when it's your life.
0: I've seen some people describe the religious discrimination bill as revenge for getting was the gay marriage bill through. <laughs> yeah. That It was like, I, I kind of disagree with that, right? Because it's not so much – like, I mean, if we had a, a, a um, you know, a bill that got passed that was like – Uh, no more environmental checks against coal mines. You're just allowed to build coal mines now. And then we successfully pushed forward a bill that was like, Less coal mines, please. It wouldn't be revenge for the previous coal mine bill that got passed. Mm. It's because we're just advancing a front that we genuinely believe in. Yeah, be just
2: pushing back,
0: regardless of what bills got passed or what defeats we taken. We'll never give up that fight because we want to live. Mm. And I think that the transphobes and the homophobes of the world don't really care how far along gay rights have come the only thing they want to do is reduce that to zero from whatever position it currently is at.
1: Yeah, no, like, I agree with that. And, like, when I talk about it being revenge, I mean it in a metaphorical sense of they know they lost that battle, but that means that they have to fight harder to take that down to zero. It's
2: a pushback. Mm. It's a
1: pushback, Mm. yeah. And that, like, and I think people are very guilty of when they get certain rights of forgetting how hard that fight is Mm. if they're not Mm. in that community. And it's something I always say that the fight for trans rights is one of the last bastions of Mm. the culture war. It is going to be really fucking ugly. It is going to hurt. It is going to hurt people. And it is really our job to step up when the fight comes to our doorstep. And the thing is, like – We got a little preview with this, but the fight's already here. It's through the fucking gate. So one thing I talked about, like, this week um, when we were talking about the religious discrimination bill, one of the things I brought up was, like, what do you think is going to happen when certain, certain federal senators who exist in federal parliament seem to exist purely to be transphobes or talk about transphobic rhetoric start introducing bills about binary gender identity and toilets and women's sport. And like I was like, if this religious discrimination bill passes, do you think perhaps it's bad to have that precedent? And what do you know? Within a day, within a fucking day, Senator Claire Chandler, who is the senator for Tasmania, who is the senator I was referring to when I was talking about that, introduced a bill that is an amendment to the Sex Discrimination Act Parentheses save women's sport.
0: Oh
2: yeah, yep. <laughs> is it is it about sport mostly? Say? <laughs> yeah, it's about
0: making say? <laughs> sure that uh, community sporting facilities get adequate funding that's appropriately <laughs> directed, right? To make sure that the <laughs> no,
1: no, I'm hearing that <laughs> I, I I I am I regret to tell you it is none of those things. So the name of the bill it is a private members bill. Um, it is called the Sex Discrimination and Other Legislation Amendment. Open brackets, save women's sport, close brackets, bill 2022. And it was read on February the 10th in um, the Senate. And I would just say that anyone paying even the slightest amount of attention to Senator Chandler's activities as a representative in Tasmania could have predicted this. Pretty much everything that she does as an active senator is talking about very sort of fire alarm transphobe things. So... She um, often speaks on behalf of an organisation in Australia called Save Women's Sport Australia. It is literally only about the quote-unquote sex-based rights, quote-unquote, of having cis women being protected within women's sport and treating trans women as men based on genitals, based on their, like, you know, XY genes treating them, like XX and XY genes, treating the gender binary as concrete, not, you know, it's just, yeah. Like it is literally the only policy that drives her as a senator Mm. and it is what she is there for.
0: It's also so bad for women's sport.
1: Yes. Like (laughs) it's incredible how bad it is for women's sport. Like the the way I sort of talked about it is that like it's like the average person doesn't think about transphobia or even has the concept of being afraid of a trans person, but – If you can needle like, and this is the easiest way to do it, if you can needle an anxious parent enough about like, you know, safety or physical realities or like just like, you know, things about like toilets and sport, ignoring the complete biological diversity of cis people, especially women, that's your first entry point. Yeah, yeah. It only ever gets directed towards women in this way. I should point out, like, it paints like s- like cis girls and women as very fragile mm. and mm. very like lesser and like liable to being preyed upon in toilets or in sport.
0: Well, that's because the, there's the two of them. There's the there's the they're gonna get preyed upon in the bathroom sphere factor. Yeah, and then there's the 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 big strong good at sports men are gonna dress up as women and win all the the women's sports yeah. sort of factor, which is. So crazy on two levels, because it's like, one, you're just introducing a new piece of legislation that's like, all right, so in, in an attempt to protect female athletes, what we're going to do is introduce this new law that says if you look strong, we have to look at your genitals before you're allowed to compete. That's going to make sure everyone's attracted to, to, to participating in women's sport. Sure, absolutely.
2: We've talked about this before. I'm trying to find the episode it was about the Olympics when there was this same thing happens every Olympics
0: yeah
1: yeah 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 so it would have been about the um, the Olympic um, weightlifter who got in on yeah, a, a wild card and the first give me, a, give so me a month so this is the funny thing she 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 had a lot of controversy around her as being the first transgender athlete to compete in the Olympic Games but what is really funny is that one of the things that kind of got sort of ignored by um transphobic sort of activists is that a non-binary athlete in fact won a gold medal at the olympic games the very same year Mm. (laughs) in in women's soccer and uh, because a non-binary athlete you know competed in a women's sport but they were assigned female at birth they Somehow, mysteriously, got ignored in the kerfuffle around trans athletes competing at the Olympic Games. It just shows the way in which transphobes treat the gender binary based on genitals or based or on the, what they recite. Oh, her.
0: sure. I mean, the that's, that's thing, the whole thing—is they're just denying, flatly denying any kind of identity thing. It's just like the biological reality is the only thing that matters. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: But they're uh, in denial
2: of the biological realities as well. The other thing we talked about in that episode about Olympics which we will link you to in the pod notes, um, is that there are athletes who are cis women yes, who have, like, unusually high levels of testosterone Custis or, or and whatnot. Right. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, they're Olympic athletes, they're the best of the best, they're freaks of nature in every way. They've got huge feet and good at running and they're the best of all humanity. So, of course, their levels of any hormone that makes you good at sport are going to be the highest in the world.
0: Yeah, uh, We had this event that specifically selects the strongest and tallest and fastest <laughs> <Right>. people in <laughs> the world. You think they've got a lot of and testosterone? And some of them had different <laughs> hormones than the baseline population. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. like So, Castor Semenya, she... Isn't trans, she had her life destroyed by this kind of gender essentialism.
2: Because they pick an arbitrary cutoff point where they say, above this, you're not a normal woman. And they go, but.
1: What is a normal woman? But how
2: you've defined that in some way uh, that doesn't correspond to reality.
1: Uh, And also, I should point out, a lot of this is very, very racist. Racist. Incredibly racist. Oh, sure. (laughs) Just that, like, you know, think about who gets targeted for these sort of things as well in terms of you're not a real woman. Almost every case of this in the Olympics, it has not been a white woman who has been targeted.
2: Mm. So tell us about Casa Semenya.
1: Yeah, so she's a she's a runner um, who at an Olympic Games, um, she won an event um, and one of her one of the athletes that she competed alongside complained and said, she's not, I don't think she's a woman. I think she's like, you know, like something is, you know, I don't know what the actual specifics of the complaint were, but she was genetically tested um, and I believe she's intersex or was claimed to be intersex. Um, and there was a lot of dispute back and forth but whether she was legally allowed to win that event. But it doesn't matter. Like she, she didn't have like an increased amount of athletic ability. She had a higher level of testosterone. Um, and the IOC introduced a lot of regulations in terms of if you are transgender, you now have to take – a certain level of blockers to reduce that testosterone level. Which but like is I mean mad. It's, it's mad because look at them like you know, look at men like Usain Bolt, for example. Look at Ian Thorpe. These are like freaks of nature who are cis men. And mm. this this kind of principle, Michael Phelps even, this never comes to pass.
2: There's it, no upper limit for how good it, you can be as a man. There's no in the upper limit
1: in terms of your natural <clears throat> ability or what your body produces. This is only something that has been introduced in questioning the idea of what a physical, biological female is, and this is the this is the hole that transphobes wish to exploit now on home turf. And hmm. this is going to be a really dirty fight. And I think it's really important that this gets brought up because when it comes to When it comes to talking about, you know, sex-based rights or what makes a biological female and enforcing that boundary, that is, I think, a Trojan horse for Mm. reinforcing a lot of restrictions on what it means to be a woman in society. Mm. Oh,
0: for sure. Like, Mm. uh, it's
1: really important to me because if you... Like, you know, as a cis woman myself, because if you start introducing these things of like, you know, sort of ideas and physical realities of what being a woman is like, that means that all cis women then have to adhere to that. And if they're Mm -hmm. any sort of way outside of that, they're officially not classed as a woman, which is a dreadful thing to say, which is like, you know, (laughs) absolutely preposterous. And like, I think a lot of people don't realize how dangerous that sort of creeping conservatism idea of a gender binary comes in like it like i have a lot of like if you think that this doesn't affect you as a cis woman i have a lot of bad news to tell you about your biological <laughs> sort of um ability to you know look after your body <laughs> so uh, just finishing off this point about claire Chandler this is something that you really need to pay attention to a lot of like, I've quite frustrated that a lot of media has not paid attention to it yet because it is a multi-continent attempt by trans exclusionary activists to begin restricting the right of trans women and girls. Um, Just this week, um, the Arizona state Senate passed a bill with exactly the same name. It's called the save women's sport act. Again, restricting transgender women and girls from playing on sports teams that match their gender identity. Um, Mm. You know, this is a thing that is happening here is happening in the states of course it's happening in the uk because that is turf island but you know this is the reality of the situation where we're at now where i think people are resting on their laurels a bit thinking that the fight is not here yet it's here
3: i think one one advantage we do have in australia is that our culture warriors have zero imagination (laughs) Uh, and so so all all of our culture wars are imported from from America and from and from Britain yeah and so we, we can we can see these things coming
1: yeah and like things like this are already appearing appearing on Sky News like um there was an interview with Claire Chandler with Peter Credlin um about the Save Women's Sport Bill uh, of course you know talking about the right for Australian clubs to operate single-sex sport without the fear of legal action being taken against them <laughs> but uh, th- this also overwrites once again a lot of state-based rights about you know allowing um, you know people who identify as different genders to play sport, and look even just to insert just a, a personal anecdote here, um, I played a variety of um, sports over the years. Um, a lot of football, as I probably mentioned on the podcast before, <laughs> I played a lot with a lot with trans players, and. This is not a concern that even enters people's minds, in all honesty. they're shit. Yeah. It's just... It's truly... They've
2: spent too much time worrying about their identities and trying to be accepted. They haven't had time to go to the gym. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And, and, like, as a final point, um, what really makes me, I guess, sort of grimly laugh about things like Save Women's Sport and that sort of thing, um, I am sure if you were to look at Claire Chandler's Facebook page, you would not see a single thing about women's sport that was not specifically associated with the right to be transphobic. What's your yeah. favourite sports team, Claire? Um, <laughs> do, do you, what, what, is, what is football? like? What, what, what league do you follow? Do you, do you have a local team that you follow? Uh, are you concerned about change rooms existing at all for women, let alone for women with biological. <laughs> she probably organs. prefer
2: no change rooms because <laughs> then the trans people can't get into them.
1: Yeah, like th- this know. is yeah this is the thing I think that really will get through to normies is that when you see someone talking about save women's sport. You have to say, so what aspect of women's sport do you actually care about? Mm, Do you care about mm. all the other issues that face women? Do you care about equal pay? Do you care about about them being at, Mm. like, the right time? Like, you know, do you care about AFLW being played in the summertime where they're all getting heat stroke? No, I don't think you do. You care about a very specific thing. No, 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 as long as none of
0: them have penises, (laughs) I'm good. Yeah, that's literally it. There's a thing that I always think about with this, just specifically the, you know, like, oh, if we let trans people – you know, participate in, in women's sports, then what's to stop a big, strong man from just saying, I'm a woman and winning all the medals, right? Mm. Which is like, what's to stop a cis man from saying, I'm a woman? <laughs> Maybe the <laughs> fact that he's cis, right? <laughs> like- <laughs> Can you imagine how psychologically annihilating that would be to just be like, well, I'm a cis man, but I'm just going to dress and act and say that I'm a woman for the rest of my career to get the gold medals. Like, yeah. that... That's very, very, very bad for you.
1: Yeah, like they don't even follow the logic through all the way through to the end. And just like like the people who do transition late in life, um, that is an, an enormous toll even on them in in reality to be able to be doing that. No one's going to do it just for the fun of it.
0: The one funny, I don't know, it's still within the context of transphobia, so maybe funny is the wrong word, but one sort of really clear-cut example of people not following the logic through is the fact that occasionally this debate makes its way into esports, and Uh it'll be like a League of Legends (laughs) tournament or something, that'll be like we can't let, you know, assigned male at birth players compete in the assigned female at birth league, and people will be like are you saying that that men have an unfair advantage... (laughs) In video, In video games. In video games? Are you saying that women are just sort of dumber and have, like, worse strategic... There's not, like, a physical aspect to esports. So-
2: God created men with APM, McLean. Yeah. Women just do not have the macro... I'm sorry, it's
1: a foraging thing. I'm sorry, as a woman who's bad at games, I have to agree with them on that. <laughs>
0: Shoutouts this week. Uh we we haven't I don't think we shouted out this before, but thanks to everybody who's left a review on all of like our iTunes and the you know stuff that people leave reviews on. We got a bunch of really good reviews on there. Mm. Yeah. It's lovely. I was just looking at it the other day and just being like Oh, nice. Also, you people got this who send one sends- one-star review that's also just like, "I'm a dumbass and I didn't like it." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Listen to friendly Geordies instead.
1: <laughs> I-, I also really appreciate like the kind of messages that we've got through to the pod and just our individual messages too. There've been mm. some really sweet ones. I got a really great message from another Evie. It turns out, shout out to mm. Evie, um, yeah. who said that she listened to it with her mum in the car, and apparently we swear too much, oh, which yeah, is absolutely trip. true. <laughs> we definitely do swear too much. Which tr- I tried not to. <laughs> we're <laughs> in this episode um but shout out to evie um really appreciate the messages that we get thank
0: you it's so weird that uh, i just uh, sometimes we sort of affectionately mock our listeners for developing parasocial uh-huh.
1: relationships <laughs> we've developed a parasocial
0: relationship with you too don't worry it's a <laughs> two-sided unhealthy broken mirror of a friendship <laughs> And I just
2: love the idea of someone listening to this podcast on a road trip with their parents. If you're doing that, make sure you pause it every 20 minutes to discuss what you've heard.
1: (laughs) for listening to not good enough you can catch us on most of the socials i'm pretty sure yeah i don't know if we <laughs> no get, LinkedIn,
0: we, we're not on linkedin we're not
1: no. on linkedin not sure how much we check the facebook or the instagram Don't do
2: tiktok
1: um mitch does a helm the twitter though so um you can please abuse start a not good enough
3: linkedin evie i, I really <laughs> want to see what, how how uh not good enough uh interacts with linkedin brain
1: yeah, I could absolutely do the LinkedIn brain for um, Not Good Enough. I, I will give that a go. Um, you can also contact us via email at notgoodpod at protonmail.com um, or just send us a DM on Twitter as well. Please not abuse, though. And to, uh, send your friends a DM
0: on Twitter or, you know, in real life to say, Not Good Enough this is a pretty good podcast and I liked it. Yeah. Let's go on a road trip and listen to it together. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We want to pay our respects to their elders and ancestors, and to remind everybody, once again, that this land was never ceded.